This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 306 DGS. Thanks for listening. Thanks for podcasting. The ratings are bullcrap. Uh, they always have been, whether I'm number one, number five, number it doesn't matter to me. They're bullcrap. Uh, but it's nice to have actual numbers like streaming numbers and podcast downloads. And you guys just crush it at that. We have millions and millions of podcast downloads a year all over the world. Thank you for that. Uh, simply go to odyssey.com, which is, by the way, the best place to listen to the show because it's perfect sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 1120 AM signal used to be uh, the biggest, baddest signal uh, uh, on the planet, but it's 2023, so it can be difficult to listen to. You can listen to 98.7 FM. It comes in very well if you're anywhere between the Mississippi and Boone's Bridge and around Highway 40. Uh, sounds really good, but odyssey.com is really the way to go. Um, before we do Stairway to Kevin, this was troubling. Uh, the Mississippi is at a record low at a bad time because this is when the barges carrying grain are going up and down oh. the river and they're going to have trouble traversing it. The Mississippi, the mighty miss, the old man, the big muddy. Scary. Yeah. Is that not enough Just rain during yeah. the summer mm-hmm. further north? Yeah. Dude. We, we really need some rain, some something. It has been pretty dry, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. You don't notice it as much when it's cooler, but, you know, you notice it when it's like 100. You're like, Ugh. yeah, you know, we're dried out. But, yeah, that's a good point. Ah, That's not good. How many hours do you think the average teen spends on social media? Not looking at their phone, because that's a way bigger number, but literally on social media engaging. A day? Per day? Per day. Six hours. I was going to say three and a half. 4.8. Oh. 4.8? So basically five hours a day. Think mm-hmm. about that. Five hours a day. And they're going to school and they're doing homework and they're sleeping and they're doing other stuff. But they can find five hours a day to be on all the different platforms. I, go ahead. Wheel. Say to put that into perspective, if we if we if we counted when we were kids, high school in particular, how much time a day you say you spent watching TV? Probably similar. They watch a lot less TV than we do. Yes. Their entertainment is TikTok. Yes. And oh, YouTube yeah. and all that. So I mean, television's kind of an old people thing now. I know. And and it doesn't mean that they don't watch shows, but they, they don't watch everything like we used to. Yeah. We used to get home from school, you pop on the TV, the creature features on, or Scooby Doo's on, or or whatever. 
and you would watch TV for a couple of hours, do whatever homework you had, maybe go to practice, come home, watch a little more TV. I, I don't think I don't think it's a good thing necessarily that it's all social media, but I don't think their time allotted to quote entertainment is much different than how mine was. No, and I was probably as committed to Carol Burnett and, you know, uh, Bob Newhart and Fantasy Island and stuff like that as they are to Instagram. Uh, like, I wasn't going to miss Carol Burnett. Yeah, but Carol Bur- Burnett was never hurting you. And Instagram is hurting these kids. Yeah, there are diff- Yeah, there are some concerns for sure. Yeah, you were never like, I hate myself because I'm not as beautiful as Carol Burnett. Or maybe he was. I or, don't know. <laughs> or, you know, you didn't have those thoughts as much. No, I, I. the reason why I said six hours per day is because I read a study earlier, or a survey, excuse me. It says depression among tween girls deepens as social media use spikes. And uh, fifth and sixth grade girls, 46% of them report spending six or more hours per day on social media. Mm. Yeah, that's... So fifth mm. and sixth grade. Mm. And and uh, honest to God, simple simple is that's, that's, your, that's on your parents. The youngest girls are now reporting levels of stress, self-doubt, sadness, and insecurity that have typically been reported by much older teens. This part really broke my heart. Um, young girls are uh, experiencing fears about the future with 52% indicating they are not sure if they're smart enough for their dream career. So if you guys had a girl right now, maybe seven, eight years old, at what point do you think you would give them their first iPhone and at what point would you allow them on social media? I'm at the point where you get a phone when you're 12 or 13. I don't think you get social media until you're about 15 or 16. Good for you. And I know it's that a tough that's going to I, I know it is a tough putt. And I it's easy to say when you don't have kids, but I just feel like we're going to in the years before I hopefully have a 16-year-old someday, I think we're going to find out that this has been doing a incredible amount of damage and I think we're all going to rein it in a little bit. Hopefully including these tech companies. I mean, Instagram is just evil. They were making an Instagram for kids, for goodness sake, and they knew what it was doing to kids I wouldn't hold your breath. I mean, look at cigarette companies. How long have we known what cigarettes do to you? Yeah, but we've regulated them enough to where at least it's not on every But they've worked around it. Yeah. I mean, they've worked around it. Yeah, but you still have to be 18 to buy them. Yeah, what I'm saying is they didn't do anything altruistically. No, no God, no, no, no. They no. lost lawsuits. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. I, we we went with 13, and I wouldn't change that. And, and by the way, at 13 meant you could have a Facebook account. Mm-hmm. It didn't mean that you were getting getting on Twitter. Now I'm trying to remember if it was, if that was as big a thing. Then I don't think it was for my kid because I mean that's 13 I'm, I'm years ago. I'm not saying that so. it makes it right, but just imagine the peer pressure. Like when we were kids, not me, but normal kids, when your friends went to the bowling alley or the arcade or the mall and your mom and dad wouldn't let you go and what a loser you felt like. Imagine everyone you know is on Instagram or what Snapchat, whatever it is, and you're not. Mm-hmm. Not a reason to do it. You're a, you're a better parent than me if you don't, but man, the pressure your kid See, would be that's, under. That's my thing. How do you... And Kevin, maybe you can answer this as having had a child in sort of the social media age. How do you police? How do I put that? How do you how do you police it? How do you make I, sure that your kids not just because I I think about the the things that my I I would never gotten any trouble or anything, but the things that my parents tried to stop me from doing, I would just go behind their back and do it anyway. Yeah, and hide it from them. 
I mean, part of it is just you, you have to be able to, at some point, turn the trust over to them. You have to. You don't have any choice. Because hmm. as you point out, once you're of an age, I would say it's probably high school. There's a lot that they're going to have access to that you have no control over. Because they're going to be at their friends' houses. And they're going to be... you. You just have to do what you can to prepare them beforehand, but also not make it a part of your life so that you are confident, so that you are a bit more um, independent, like independent thinking before you get into that. You see what I'm saying? And I'm not sure that 13 is perfect, but I think it's a good starting point because by then you could have, you should have instilled or at least attempted to, because again, every situation is completely different but instill that confidence in yourself and that reliance on yourself and not the reliance on what other people think, which is going to be there naturally. But I think Rachel's right. It's exaggerated by a number of degrees when you do, when you're doing it like people are on Instagram, TikTok, whatever. Uh, Not that uh, Phoebe's mom and I were perfect parents by any stretch, but it is nice Now that Phoebe is in college and she's on her own and she's making her own decisions on a daily basis. And like I said the other day, she tells us a lot about her, what's going on. And she will actually now say, uh, I do this because of you guys. Mm -hmm. I don't do this because of you guys. So we're actually now kind of transitioning from being the dumbest people she ever knew uh, into being less dumb and maybe even having helped shape her in a good way. Mm -hmm. That's a wonderful thing. It's a really nice thing to hear from your kids Mm -hmm. or or just or just to see the see. uh, How do I put it? Um, Just to see that she's a smart kid. With a good head on her shoulders, uh, who thinks through things. She's she's you know not setting records or anything, but it's just nice when she talks about going out and this and that. And I don't even have to ask: Do you go in groups? Are you careful about people buying you drinks? Right. And and some of that's us, and a lot of that is just growing up in this crazy time, mm-hmm. and all of her friends knowing the same things. Mm-hmm. It's hard, man. It's I mean these steps by these step by steps are the hardest things because every step you have to let go of some control. You just, there's no choice. I mean it, yeah. because they're going to be adults there really isn't. and they need to learn how to deal with things gradually. But again, social media and the immediacy of things um is a magnifying glass. It really does accelerate what, you know, the the learning process and and I don't mean just in a bad way, both good and bad ways. Yeah. This is going to sound weird, but I view Phoebe and her friends and kids of that age sort of the way I view Navy SEALs. Like they've been through hell week. Like I, I didn't go through what you did. And so I can't even pretend to know what you know or have the capabilities that you do. Having the childhood that I had and mine was especially innocent but even the crazy people from my era, apples and oranges. I mean, it's comparing a one to a hundred, what they go through, what they have to contend with. And they don't have to, right? But they're gonna. And just the scrutiny, This back to what Rach said, the scrutiny and the impossible standards and the impossible uh, availability and contact. It's something that people my age, if you're smart, I think, if you're honest, 
because we can say like, oh, when I was a kid, we had this, we had to pick up apples, and they only paid me a nickel. Well, I'll take that all day over what they have to go through. That makes sense. Yeah. They also have to counter that access to help more than we would have yeah, at that for age. Sure. Oh, my God. Like, if you were struggling, you couldn't, you, if, there was no mechanism to be like. If a teenage like, girl went to therapy when I was in high school, oh, my God, she's crazy. Yes. What's wrong with her? Yeah. She has to see a psychiatrist. Yep. And now, thank God, uh, I think you can seek out men- help for mental issues uh, without any sort of a scarlet letter, mm-hmm. which is a gigantic leap forward. So, 322 DGS, I bought uh, my best friend Andrew a uh, Pop-Tart from uh, Catalyst Downstairs, which they get all their stuff from Whisk, which is an amazing bakery, Mm. and they're so good, and we started talking about how good and underrated Pop-Tarts are, and uh, Wheeler's like, they should make them with double filling, and I said, they they should make them the size of like a pizza so the family could share it, (laughs) (laughs) and then, you guys don't know this, and then I pointed to my head as in genius and meant it. I meant, (laughs) I I felt so smart, like, no one's ever thought of this. I bet the Pop-Tart people would pay me a lot of money to work for them. <laughs> I'm weird. Some tart innovations. Tart deep, innovations. Deep dish pop tart pie. Chief chief creative officer. <laughs> He's Delulu. Remember that from last week? Delulu. That was when you were gone, Dave. It oh means, yeah. It means delusional. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, ouch. He's <laughs> like, no. What does it mean? <laughs> oh, delusional. <laughs> Clearly doesn't apply to me in the pop tart. Oh. <laughs> No, someone brought up the Reese's pie. Remember that? They had a big Ooh. Reese's pie. Mm-hmm. And what was it, 90 bucks, 50 bucks? I feel like it was only like 40. I think you're right. Oh. And I didn't get it, and it's one of my top 10 regrets. I want one. I yeah. hope they come back. I went to Google it. I went to a Cracker Barrel recently. Cause, hungry. Of course. Yes, uh, hungry. And they had one of those like 20-pound Kit Kats, and I, I was so tempted to buy it. Why didn't you? I would have reimbursed you. I don't know. Maybe I should go back and get it. Maybe you should. Maybe you should leave now. (laughs) Back by the end. Stairway. All right. I'm going to do some audio with this, Rach. Um, This kind of ties into what we were talking about last segment. So I ran across this just kind of randomly on Twitter. But this is is Mickey Mantle. All right. So Mickey Mantle near the end of his life. Um, Talking about role models and things along those lines. I would like to say to the kids out there to take a good, you talk about a role model, this is a role model, don't be like me, you know? I mean, God gave me a body, ability to play baseball, that's what I wanted to do. It was just wasted. I was given so much. So what's interesting is he's saying, if people that couldn't hear the audio, great, he's saying, if you want to talk about a role model, kids, don't be like me. Which is fascinating because mm-hmm. if you grew up in the 50s and 60s, Mickey Mantle was what every kid wanted to be. Everybody wanted to be the Mick. He was super gifted. He was super good. Seemed like the life of the party. And what's fascinating is now we know more of his story. And we know that he was a, a, an abusive drunk, that he cheated on his wife. He was basically kind of a Tony Soprano type guy. in Not like mobster, but in that... He had women on the side. He didn't hide it from his wife. She knew about all of it. He was not around for his kids. He had severe alcohol problems. He died early because of it. Um, But we also found out in a book that his family published 
that he was sexually abused when he was a kid by an older stepsister. And then I think again by some boys at school or whatever. But he had these traumas in the background. And we nobody knew it for all that time. And it's just an interesting thing that you look at. And his life was a bunch of different things, right? Here he is. He's like this. He's got all the gifts, as he points out. But he basically played the way that he did with a broken body. He had bad leg injuries from when he was young. I think one was from playing football. He had all kinds of chronic issues, but he was also basically drinking nonstop from the time that his dad died in 1952 until he died from liver failure later on. Actually, I think it was cancer, but it started with his liver. Um, And his life is like two different things, but it's even now three different things, right? At first, it was golden boy. He's God's gift to baseball, and he's an American hero. After that was, wow, he was a terrible drunk. And everybody knew it, but everybody covered it up because that's what you did back then. Um, And he was terrible to his family, and he didn't take part. And he admits it. He says, I did not take care of my kids. I didn't raise my kids the way that I should have. He was, And late in life, he realized that, and he wrote a chapter of this book that his family put out. And now there's a third chapter to that understanding, which is, He had his own terrible things when he was a kid, which doesn't excuse behavior, but it explains why the the path was the way that it was. And I think it's interesting when you look at how we prop people up, how often do we actually know the full story? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Because Mickey Mantle is really three stories. And Mickey Mantle is probably more extreme, good and bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But everyone's got both. Right. And we, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think some of the, you know, people always talk about how they, they want to, people want to, there are, they blame it on the media, but whatever, like media people, fans, whatever, prop people up to tear them down. I don't think it's that. I think it's, we just react too quickly. We see what we see. Oh my God. He's the golden child. He's a miracle. He's the best player ever. And he's fun. And he's smiling all the time. And he signs autographs for kids. And that's what you think it is, and you jump to that conclusion without knowing the rest of the story. And then later, you find out, oh, my God, he was terrible. He hit his wife, and he didn't raise his kids well, and he ignored them, and he was off womanizing while his, you know. And then you learn later on there's another chapter. Yeah. And we, I, I think, think we're generally unrealistic about ourselves and each other. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you shot. 337 DGS, Dave Murray joins us. Hello, Dave. Hello there. So a little warm-up, actually, right? Yeah, yeah. That, we're ahead of a cool front. There's actually two fronts coming through. One comes through this evening. The secondary front comes through Thursday evening. There's just not a lot of moisture to work with in the atmosphere. It's pretty dry air. But if we saw a couple of fast showers around overnight tonight, I would not necessarily be surprised, but I don't think a lot of us see it. And then another chance of a couple of fast evening showers on Thursday evening. But what the front first front does, cools us back by a good 10 degrees tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny skies, 68. Then Friday, the secondary front cools us a couple more degrees, 65 degrees, pretty close to where we should be. Lots of sunshine Friday. The weekend looks fantastic, continues to look great. 
Saturday sunny and 72 degrees. Another weak dry cool front comes through Saturday night. Don't worry about it. Then Sunday sunny and 65 for the high. Just some great fall weather coming up. Yeah, I I absolutely love it. It's gorgeous. But I just did a story that the Mississippi is at an all-time low. Yep. I can't remember the last time we had like one of those three-day rains, you know. Mm -hmm. Because you don't get them. You don't get them uh, during the summertime. You don't get them in the fall. You start to see them come November, hmm. uh, but but you know what? Once we get past uh, early April, you get more into a thunderstorm pattern, so you hmm. don't get the three or four day rains. Okay, we'll have them; they'll come back. Good, good. I miss them, just like the vibe. Nice and cozy. Yeah, nice yep. and cozy. Curl up with a little blanket, little fire in the fireplace. <laughs> Headlines, Rach. <laughs> yes, Headlines is brought to you by Schnooks. Reward yourself daily with the Schnooks Rewards app. I'm good at that, aren't I? You are. Thank you. You yeah. are. Do it again. Got me going. Oh, yeah. Got me going. <laughs> Would you like to hear my droopy dog? <laughs> yeah. You're making me angry. <laughs> now do Grandpa Simpson. <laughs> no, I don't feel like doing impressions right now. <laughs> okay, sorry. Perform for too. us, Dave. I don't want to do impressions. Excellent. I was pushing him too far. <laughs> I'm right. not your monkey. <laughs> I'm Andrew's monkey. <laughs> All right. Four neighbors from hell have been arrested for squatting in an Atlanta home where they were running an illegal strip club. A SWAT team raided the property over the weekend, arresting four men. Neighbors say the men ran a strip club on the weekends, held street races, and even had live horses roaming in the yard. <laughs> <laughs> of course it was guys. Yeah, of, of course, course it, was it was guys. They're calling them the neighbors from hell. Well, yes. <laughs> How did that get out of hand? Yeah, or. adding the think, horses was yeah, probably... I, I think the horses were probably the kiss of death there. <laughs> I think people would have been able to put up with the rest of the stuff. But uh, All right, back to what Kevin was saying in the first hour of the show. College students blame Hamas for the attack on Israel. According to a Generation Lab poll, two-thirds describe the act as an act of terrorism. 86% of college students say they're aware of the attack on Israel, and of that share, 67% describe the attack as an act of terrorism by Hamas versus just 12% who see it as a justified act of resistance. I think that's a high, that number is higher than it should be, the 12%. But I think that's what makes more sense, right? I mean, I, I just, I know we kicked it around in the first hour, but I, I do feel like there are people using this as a way to attack academia, which is kind of silly because, I mean, it's, it's a very small percentage of people. If 10% of any population believe something, does that ruin the whole population? I guess it just depends on what they believe, but I get the point you're making. Yeah. Uh, one of the major donors to Harvard, uh, the Wexler family, it happens to be a Jewish family, has uh, pulled all their money yeah. from Harvard. It's happening at Penn, too. And what they're unhappy about, um, my understanding is, is how the administration handled yeah. these things. They didn't put out quickly enough messages saying we support this or that, hey, you know, we don't agree with these students. Yeah. You can't really stop the students, but you can immediately put out a statement saying they're free to say what they want, but we disagree. The American public is siding with unions over studios, networks, and streamers when it comes to the writers and actors strike. A new poll for the Los Angeles Times claims that 34% of Americans said they sided with actors in a survey conducted earlier this month. Meanwhile, support among the American public for the studios has stayed low and steady at 7%. 29% of respondents said they sympathized with both sides equally. Well, it doesn't seem to be helping. 
I mean, as far as I know, it's we're just at a stalemate on the SAG after stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the studios don't seem to care. So the studios either don't care about people's opinions or people are giving opinions and yet acting in a different way. I think it's that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and did you see, like, so they talks broke down about a week ago. Um, and it was the studios that just said, listen, we're not getting anywhere. We're not yeah. talking anymore. So then within the last couple of days, George Clooney, Ben Affleck, I think Tyler Perry and Scarlett Johansson kind of like threw themselves into the mix and they met with the SAG-AFTRA leadership. What I want to know is where have the big names been all along? Why are they staying out of the fight? Why They're the ones that have the power. They have, they're the ones that have the ability to affect change because they're the ones that sell movies, right? When, yeah. when, when those people are in the movie, the movie makes money, whether it's Tom Cruise or uh, Scarlett Johansson or whatever, they are the money makers. Why are they only getting into this late and why haven't they been more supportive of their cause? I think you can argue that they are as institutionalized as the studios themselves. I mean, they have a lot less to lose from a long a long strike for, you know, a George Clooney or a Tom Cruise is a nice vacation. You know what I mean? They're always going to be able to find work. Right. And There's a they, lot of money involved. Right, but I mean, and again, they have enough money to survive without working for a long period of time. They so also have enough money to take the risk of standing up for their fellow union members. And if they were to f- face ramifications down the road, it's never going to impact them. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying... They may look at it as why I'm I'm in great with. Well, they're probably studios, better friends I'm... with and have more in common with studio heads than they do a working actor. That's a great point. Yes, that's, sure. That's what I'm trying to say. But when you ask them, they're artists. It's act yeah. like and again, movie industry, sports industry are both entertainment industries. You will never ever see LeBron James go against the NBA PA in a labor dispute or stay out of it. He's going to be a vocal part of it. Some of the biggest stars in baseball are involved in the negotiations from the beginning when it comes to how those goes. They, there's, no, there's no doubt about where they stand. And I do think in these types of situations, the people who have leverage yeah. should be the ones using it to help their fellow where, actors and actresses. Where have you guys even noticed a difference, though? When the auto workers go on strike... It's serious. Yeah, yeah, When yeah. UPS was going to strike, they didn't even let them walk out. Yep. But other than Drew Barrymore and the late night shows were off during the during the writers' strike, I haven't really noticed much. Movies are coming out. Netflix works. Yeah. Amazon Prime works. Uh, it, unless you can make an impact, most people don't care that much. Well, you won't notice till next year. Because everything that you're seeing now was done before this ever started. Mm-hmm. It was shot before it was ever started. So what you're going to notice is like next summer, there's a lot of worry about whether or not you're going to have the summer blockbusters, which could be another punch in the face for all the theater owners, because you're not going to have the blockbusters because nobody's making movies right now. All right. One more story. Uh, Best Buy is going to stop selling DVDs and Blu-rays in 2024. They'll be phasing out the sale of physical movies, both in-store and online. So end of an era. Um, yes, Best Dave. Buy still open? <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> and until 2024, uh, you can buy a DVD there if yeah. you like. When was the last time you set foot in a Best Buy? Like any of us. That's like, it's the OK few years. Corral's not yeah. going to be taking horses in anymore. Yeah. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> 
Yeah. The, where, where are you guys on hard copies of movies that you love? Like, is that a, a DVD? Is player. that a must or not? <laughs> I don't. You're talking to three people in this room, Kevin, who do not own a DVD or Blu ray player. That's I don't wild. think any of us uh, add me too. Yeah. Really? No. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I have Dream one, but it's my Xbox, so it's not like I have a separate one. But I mean, I, I like having some of those hard copies for things that I really like because they're just always there. So my internet's down and I want to watch a movie, I pop in a movie. You know? One of those services go under, I can watch still what I want, what I own. When my internet goes down, I just start crying. <laughs> I know, I just go to sleep until yeah. it comes back. Yeah. Yeah. So no point of being awake. Oh, well. Does this make me an entertainment prepper? A <laughs> little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sort of. I got a generation generator just for my Xbox. I've never really had the thought... If my Netflix goes down, no, I don't really mean that. I just mean like like so when you're on streaming services, if things that you like to watch of your favorite ones maybe go off that service for a while, yeah. Do I chase services? Do I pay for it again, or do I just own it because I got it as a gift at some point? And- you know what I don't like about the DVD though. I have to walk 12 feet. So, yeah. <laughs> you gotta push the button, put the tray. Yeah, if I'm gonna watch a case. movie, I gotta get up anyway because I gotta go get a drink. I gotta go get some snacks. I gotta get prepared. Remember though. What a, f- a satisfying feeling it was to push in the little drawer, but how frustrating oh. when it would come right back out. Yeah. Like, why aren't you cooperating? Yeah. <laughs> I do also kind of miss DVD menus. Like, uh-huh. we were doing some, some wild stuff with that for a while. Like what? You know, like you'd put in like the Castaway DVD and they would just have like a little extra oh, gotcha. scene or something. It was kind of yeah. nice, kind of fun. You know what? I'm probably the only person in the world who's like this. You know what I hate? And resent our uh, end credit scenes. I don't want to set my ass there for another six minutes watching who the best boy in the key grip was <laughs> so I can see that Thor eats baloney. <laughs> not a yeah, big fan about the music. No. Usually you hear some good music. Generally, there. I'm 100% with you. Like, I, I really hate that that's how they do it. Because you're not actually reading the screen. You're not sitting there going, boy, I really no. respect all these workers. Look at that. Jimmy John Joe, he was the guy <laughs> that sitting, ran the game. You're, you're on your phone waiting for the stupid screen to come up. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. All right, all right DGS. Continuing. We got Chris Cuomo coming up top of the hour. Yes. Be interested to get his take on some of the events of the day. There's a lot going on. Although with him, I think we probably focus more on uh, Jim Jordan losing again. Yeah. It's been interesting. It's, an int- it's, a, it's a tough day to be a guy named Jim Jordan. Not great. Hi, Dave. What I miss? <laughs> now that we're just making fun of Jim Jordan. Did you think it was the top of the hour? No, I got Steve Mord. Oh, it happens. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what are you going to do? He loves to talk. I mean, he loves to talk shop. Good, good dude. Especially when I'm on a break. <laughs> he's like, oh, you're free. Wonderful. He was asking about you and Amy, the dust up, and he said you, and he got into it, and he's like, I realized a few seconds in, I just got wheelered. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he do be mean. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.